You're listening to Adamair MDGED Underground Cartoon Therapy. It's a rainy night here in uh, Georgetown, Seattle, where I'm recording this motherfucker loading my bowl. You know, I had discrepancies about telling the story, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there is faith and what I'm about to tell you is totally true. You know, some things are a little left out because, well, a magician can't reveal all of his fucking secrets, but can share enough if he or she desires uh, to enlighten you within a dark world where you're not hearing any hope and everything's just some suppressive-ass bullshit and, you know, a bunch of self-serving cretins around your ass, you know? Gotta go back to uh, the Gods of Puss episode. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to that, but... There's like this sequence where I'm talking about this number, A21, hence the name of the fucking show. But it was a stencil that was on the side of this fence on the squat that me and my chick were fucking staying in at that point, you know. And uh, it just said 8-21 in military letters. And then at the bottom of it, it had a sideways gear. And it just struck me so hard, and I didn't know why. And in a way, I felt like I did it. Like it was all 12 Monkey style. <laughs> Some 12 Monkey shit, man. But uh, anyway, the number stuck with me. I ended up initiating it into my comics. And then I uh, had it tattooed on my back when I was 23. And I didn't know what it really meant, man. I'll be honest. I was just infatuated with the number. It just meant something to me, you know? Well, I'm about to tell you the story of what it really meant. So fucking strap it on, motherfucker, and uh... (laughs) Know that... I'm responsible for what I do, and what I have done, and what I am currently doing. And I'm responsible for sharing this fucking knowledge with you, so if you got any sage, burn it. Ping pong owner James Oliphantus. He says he's been getting threats for weeks. For a lot of people that are going, what the fuck is Pizzagate? There was this Ben Swan guy who did this uh, recent piece about it, and a lot of people got very angry. Did you see the piece? Well, Pizzagate, it became a major story weeks ago when an armed man decided to investigate a D.C. area pizza place for himself. This man right here, he carried a rifle into a pizza parlor and then fired it at the floor. And that is where they have major Democratic Party fundraisers, and then they had they had rock mans there. <clears throat> How many of you guys are sick of hearing this shit? Commonly used symbols by pedophiles to express their preference in children. Notice this one on How many head. people are sick of this, hearing this shit, and people around them yeah, acting like, like it doesn't exist? Talking about how much they love children. When it obviously fucking exists. This motherfucker. Huh? Sandwich shop. Yeah. And 
Jerry is known to hang out down here. He likes the world. How many of you are sick of hearing this shit? John Podesta is talking about pizza. Fucking lying cunt. How many of you guys are sick of this shit? He's Italian and Greek. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. It ain't over. It's an epidemic. People are acting like it don't exist. It obviously fucking exists, guys. And a very good cook. And a very good cook. And yeah, his risotto recipe is still there if you want to see it. Um, and I'm sure there's something very nefarious about that risotto recipe. Let me tell you, Wiener supposedly had tens of thousands of emails. On top of that, there's the Anthony Wiener laptop. <sighs> if you heard this. Tonight's episode, man. I'm going to tell you how one person... B and me got sick of this shit and what the fuck I ended up doing about it. I got tired of holding it back. Listen to this. Shit's morbid. So man. six grown-ups with two toddlers and two infants spread throughout the house, and sure enough, one of the toddlers was rubbing my nose at 545. What the fuck does that mean? 675,000 Clinton emails when they got Anthony Weiner's laptop in a search warrant because of all his sex perversion issues. They specifically did not look at the BlackBerry backups, and they didn't look at a fraction of the emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop. These children are not just kidnapped and in some cases bred by families as a cash crop. We have people in the United States of America that breed children in order to sell them. And when they are sold, they come without birth certificates, which means it's easier to kill them and have no one ask where they are. It was all No one talks about this shit the right way, dude. It's not on the news. Where is it? How come I got to see this shit on some YouTube shit? As a proxy for Hillary. So they can call it a conspiracy. Plan to heat the pool so possibly Bonnie will be. I'm gonna tell you what I fucking did tonight. I got sick of fucking keeping it inside me. So you'll have some further entertainment, and they will be in that pool for sure. What in the fuck? That's a real confirmed email, right? Yes. We're also importing children by the plane load. Mm -mm. Again, children who have no documentation. Very clear violations of the Espionage Act. Have you heard enough? Really no issue about intent, despite President Obama proclaiming otherwise. Have you heard enough? Are you going to sit there and go, what am I going to do about it? You don't make peace with your friends. You make peace with your enemies. And of course, you realize the reason that Hillary had to be protected was because he was writing her on that secret server using an alias, which shows that he damn well knew and had approved in advance her use of the secret unsecured server. It's not just child slavery or child sex abuse. It's also child torture. There's a lot that can be prosecuted. I have no doubt on that laptop. And Let's see some fucking justice around here. Officers who saw some of it, even though they're hard investigators literally had to go throw up. It's fucked up, man. It's bad. 
because you have adrenalized blood. You, you have the blood drinking ceremony of the satanic world. It's also the uh, use of children for harvesting body organs. So one of the things, if I were the president, I'd do is demand the Anthony Weiner laptop and get it to the most trusted person in the military to take apart everything on it and then start using it. I mean, humanity is judged on how you treat the weakest member uh, of the... Uh, of the society. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Well, you've heard all the fucking bad news you're going to hear the last fucking 10 lifetimes. Now sit back and listen to some fucking good news for once, motherfuckers, because you deserve it. I deserve it. And sometimes in order to change shit, you just got to change your fucking attitude. You know? It's just how it fucking goes, dude. Well, strap it on, man. <laughs> and welcome to 821, cause no harm, take no shit, nor should you ever do either. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by a bag of shake that I dumpster dived over in the fucking Georgetown playground over here. Mmm. Tastes like someone fucking rubbed it under their armpit. <laughs> but the pine straws take the pain out of it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I uh, teamed up with the creator. And what we did to stop these fucking bad guys on earth. Because everybody thinks it's impossible. And I got sick of everybody fucking saying, that's just the way it is. And that ain't the way it fucking is. And everybody can fuck off. If you don't do your part to fucking help, the seven things that need help, one of them I keep secret, and the other six are pretty fucking obvious. The land, the sea, and the air and all the animals that belong to those things, those elements. And then you got the disabled, you have elders, and I got the one that uh, <laughs> this episode's about, children. And motherfucker, don't think I'm the only one that feels this way. Chances are, if you're listening to this shit, you feel this way too. Episode 71. We made it this far, guys. What the fuck? And we're going to start right now. Long story short, y'all, which it ain't going to be. <laughs> It was my last year in L.A., and I was working in uh, <clears throat> for um, myself, trying to independently develop my animation, and I had made a spot in Nickelodeon. These guys wanted me to, you know, come down there, do some spot work, if it worked out, blah, blah, blah. You know, I ended up talking to one of these friends I had made. She was a pro animator. You know, she goes from studio to studio, but she's also a detective with the LAPD. And it kind of inspired Libra. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back 
and listen to that because that's my little radio soap opera about you know a professional in LA that you know hunts pedophiles at night you know and uh that's not what she was doing she was actually a cop and what she was telling me right now was that I was going to get antagonized if I went down there and I was like why is that and she was like well there's a pedophile that works there he's a big big one too cops can't touch him he's kind of got some diplomatic immune system bullshit it's like, what are you telling me? She's like, basically, if you go down there and you get a job, and you will, because you're awesome. And I was like, thanks. And she goes, but you're going to quit right away, or you're going to get in trouble. Because this guy's going to antagonize you, and he's a huge pedophile. And there's not much we can do about it. You're the one that's going to get in trouble as soon as you react. I was like, that's fucked up. When After about an hour story talking to her... I'd come to this fucking unsavory decision that I'm leaving Hollywood. Fuck this shit. And I can go anywhere and do my shit. But I was pretty pissed off. You know, uh, inside two weeks, a few things happened that weren't relevant to the story. I'll have on season four. But for now, in this story, the things that were relevant was me not wanting to work around pedophiles, man. Fuck that. And anybody that is like me, if it came to that you know, would you consort yourself and stay in an environment with fucking pedophiles, knowing they are pedophiles purposefully, just so you could get your riches and gains on? For me, bro, I couldn't do it, man. I was like, nope. It wasn't even a question. Inside two weeks, I had my shit out of my house. I had moved out. I put it in a storage unit. I went up north, hung out with my buddy. He's a cop watcher. We had some anarchist stories in a two-week fucking, you know dog walking adventure along the Willamette River until he finally was like, get the fuck out of my house, dude. And I was like, all right, brother, I love you. Gave him a hug. Head on down to Seaside. And that's really where the story begins. Because uh, I was wandering around the beach, and if you went back and listened to uh, How I Got My Stripes episode, you'll know, man, that uh, this adventure was a little bit different. It didn't have that same magic. I called up my friend Elf from Seaside, and I was like, I want to get rid of every... I want to protect, you know, the kids on every every kid on the planet. And he goes, well, you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, I can. And he goes, how? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to tell me. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, I'm an OTO, man. I, you know... I'm evil. <laughs> and uh, I believe in demons and all this shit. You believe in God. We're two different people. I was like, yeah, but we're friends still. And you're a father and you wouldn't let anything happen to your kid, would you? And he goes, oh, fuck no. I was like, there's the power that I need right there. I just need it times two billion. He told me I needed to find a crossroads if I was going to do it, but not to do it without the Creator. I was like, I wouldn't. I kept thinking about that crossroads. Next day, I left Seaside. Hitched on down the road, and uh, it was about five at night. You know, five in the afternoon, it was dark already, man. Raining and all this shit. And this BMW pulled over. And I ran over to it, and she goes, 
get in and I was in the car and she she pulled out a Beretta out of her uh, her sleeve and was like if you try anything with me I will blow your fucking head off I was like yeah sounds like a plan inside 20 minutes she had already declared me to be her best friend <laughs> and asked me to caregive for her and I was like yeah I can do that for a bit. When we pulled up to her condo, she had two other Beamers out in the parking lot. The <laughs> first thing she said was, I never drive them. <laughs> I was like, you ever go to the beach? She's like, not once. And I kid you not, dude, we're like across the street from the beach. It's fucking beautiful, man. Newport, nice little stretch. Even's got a little punky flair to it, even. A couple of ocean punks. I guess there's punks everywhere. It was nice. You know, she wanted to become an author. She had been an ex-Irish mob boss out in New York. I didn't think it was possible to even leave the Irish mob, from what I understood, but I guess in specific cases, you can leave. And she did. She moved to Montana. She became a cowgirl. <laughs> this is a big lady, y'all. I mean, you know, she's like seven feet tall. I'm not shitting you, man. And she's wider than I am. And her arms were thick as fuck. She could have broke me like a twig, even at her elder age right there. But her mind was a little loopy, and she had CPTSD. Something happened in her childhood. She wanted to talk about it, but every time she did, it upset her. <clears throat> I remember, like, I had to kind of become her caregiver. And that's what I did. I became her caregiver. She gave me another room. She gave me money to go buy fish and chips all the time and whatever weed I wanted. There was a club down the street. Uh, you know... And then she'd buy a $40 bottle of uh, Jack Daniels. She would uh, rip the bottle from my hand, feverishly, and say, give me a snort of that. <laughs> give me a snort off that. <laughs> a snort. <laughs> and she would take a snort. And, uh, and then she would say, dump it. And I had to dump the rest of this $40 fucking bottle. I told her, I was like, hey man, this is getting ridiculous, you know, you're wasting tons of money. And she was. And she'd lay down and she'd be too drunk to get up, I had to help her to the bathroom, help her pee, take a shit. I combed her hair. I gave her rags to put on her head and made sure she had a nice made couch on her big comfy couch. and. She'd sit there and lay down and, you know, watch uh, whatever daytime television. <laughs> well, she would say some rude shit after she started to get to know me, man. I think people do feel comfortable with that. And I've noticed that people like to hold my PTSD against me. And uh, some people have PTSD worse than other guys. I happen to have it worse than most people. That's not something I'm bragging about. 
but I got the layers of cake. This is cake layered trauma. And people like to exploit that after a while. I told her, I said, look, man, I'm tired of fucking dumping your liquor down the fucking toilet. She said some nasty ass shit to me. I got pissed off. I left. <laughs> I walked down the street to uh, Bayfront, which is like right on the, right by the, one of the historical bridges that connects the Newport to the next town over, which I really don't know what it's called. I can't remember, but I definitely got to drive the BMW down the street and do all that shit. That was fun. Do about 80, 90 miles an hour in a BMW going down a fucking Pacific Coast fucking highway like 101. That shit's fucking awesome, dude. Anyway, um, at that point, I lost, uh, I didn't want to, um, deal with her shit. I went to Bayfront. There's all these tattoo shops down there and fish and chips and a lot of malt vinegar. There's sea, sea lions and an aquarium. And there's some punk rockers down there. It's pretty cool, man. I liked it. <coughs> I thought about moving there, man. Shit. <laughs> well, you got a buddy here who understands. I walked down the street and I saw a big old Sasquatch statue outside of a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum. And uh, that's when it starts. Right before I got into the Believe It or Not shop, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about Elf, man, while I was talking to him in Seaside, and he was like, a crossroads, a crossroads. You can hear the reverb. Crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. You know, and like I'm like, where the fuck is this crossroads, you know? Does it even exist, you know? And do I really want help from a demon <laughs> to, to fight shit that's demonic? It doesn't really make sense, dude, you know? So that's not going to happen. And I know better because by this point, well, I've been working for the creator for, I don't know, well, that was like 2017. I don't know, we're talking about 13 years in. And uh, thinking about Alf going into the Believe It or Not shop. <laughs> and then as soon as I got in, it was uh, pretty wild. I saw the t-shirt. And it said 8-21. And there was a picture of America. And there was a line of fire going through it. From like Oregon to what looked like South Carolina. And I was like, holy shit. So I asked the guy, I was like, what the fuck is that? And he goes, oh, that's the solar eclipse that's getting ready to happen. My eyes kind of got big. And all of a sudden I heard the creator go, Go home, go home now, get on the computer. So I ran back a mile and a half, got on my computer, flipped it on, and there was a site, and he goes, go there. And <laughs> he says, check it out. And the guy says, not only will I be coming through August 21st, 2017, but it will cross over again, coming from El Paso into Ontario. And the X marks the spot. And there was your crossroads. And that was it. So I found out the significance of the number 821. It was a date. Who would have thunk it, you know?
it always kind of was this harmless thing in my mental illness, suppose, you know, some people would just be like, you know, what does it mean? I'd be like, I don't really know. Well, now I knew. <laughs> it was a date, and it was a crossroads. And when the sun, the line of totality comes back up, it's going to come through El Paso and into Ontario. And it's going to cross the same point. And the creator was like, now check it out. Go see where the uh, where the crossroads, what's in the center of the crossroads. <laughs> and I went and I looked at it and it was Grand Tower, Illinois. It's like 25 miles towards the Mississippi River. You know, southwest from Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, <laughs> it was moving me, man. I was like, wow, I can't believe it. I, you're sharing this ultimate shit with me. He goes, what's in the center? And I saw it was a campground next to Grand Tower. And it was called the Devil's Backbone. I was like, really, man? <laughs> he goes, Did, well, it is. And when he said it like that, I was like, hmm. Twelve miles away from the Trail of Tears. Where the Southern Railroad, Southern Illinois Railroad had started. Across the river from Missouri. And the Native Americans in that area were made to make bricks that were to be laid down for the roads in New Orleans shipped via train and that's where it came from that was the crossroads there is an exact crossroads point and it's under someone's tree off highway 24 I think coming out of uh, Carbondale, Illinois but the creator assured me as long as I was in a 21-mile radius, <laughs> we were good. And I did it about 14 miles away from the exact center point. Doesn't get any more close enough to the center than that. And that's where I picked. The foundry. And he goes, now look what's in Devil's Backbone. And so I did. And I uh, looked up... Uh, devil's backbone and all of a sudden there was ghost stories the most scary ghost stories from southern Illinois and that's where I met uh, Esmeralda she was the daughter of the founder and according it's kind of a Mandela effect dude because later on I'll tell you when I was there the story that surrounds <laughs> Esmeralda is not the same as the one that you read online the one you read online says she fell in love with a guy who was sailing on a barge going up and down the Mississippi River and he was an older dude and she was only like 16 and her dad was a tyrant and her dad was like oh fuck no you ain't marrying no barge motherfucker and he locked her in her room for three weeks and she died and according to one particular site I read her ghost went into the wood and haunted the old man and petrified him to death. They tore down the foundry and they took all the wood, almost all the wood, and made the new outstops 
down the road about a quarter of a mile away after they tore that old house down. And I knew then Esmeralda had joined me. I'm a pretty hardcore Gnostic. There is no such thing as a Gnostic Christian. <laughs> That's a contradiction. And Jesus never wanted you to fucking call out his name or anything like that. And he tells you, many will come in my name. They all know who the hell I am. And, get, and people that are preachers and holy men, they, don't, they were never revealed that. In Matthew, it says it right there. I'm glad you didn't reveal it to the eggheads and the scholars and the scientists and the holy men. And holy men actually is first. But you only revealed it to the childlike. People hold this book, or they denounce it. None of them read it. <laughs> and it, that's why everybody acts like schmucks, basically. You know? Well, this was a pretty carnal thing that I was dealing with. Crossroads. It was very voodoo. It's very earthbound. It, it, it was kind of against what I believe in, which everything is in the spirit. When you're dealing with spirit, it stays in the spirit. You don't bring it into the flesh. But after the negotiations and talking to the creator, you know, and some spirits like to come in and act like the creator or some shit like that, and they can even make you feel whatever, you really have to be, you have to keep your eyes single. Because as soon as it gets carnal, it's wrong. You know? I had a witch yesterday call me and. I was trying to figure out some information to see if this portal that I'm telling you the story about right now was actually taxing my life now. He goes, well, you don't know what you're doing. All snooty. One of those guys. Well, it's not that I don't know what I'm doing, dude. It's just, you know, when you are doing something as big as what I'm getting ready to tell you, darkness will consume you, dude. And it'll be around you. It'll try to crush you. And inside seven years, that's a lot of time to fuck someone over. You know? So if we had 90 days of negotiations. I didn't just jump on it. I wasn't like, oh, you want me to use magic? And he's like, no, that's not it. It's like the free will, man. They use black magic. It's their way of being outside the system of both heaven and hell. I was like, what do you mean hell? Aren't they working for hell? And he goes, think about it, dude. Can kids go to hell? And I was like, I don't know, do they? He's like, no. Adults do. And if adults can't grow up to be adults, kids can't grow up to be adults, rather, then uh, demons become obsolete. And Satan's been causing trouble in hell with 71 other demons that have been, you know, uh, the 72 lesser keys of King Solomon, if you ever read that. These are the presidents and dukes and vice presidents and arch, you know, bishops and whatever the fuck their title is in hell. And really, dude, most of them are like not all conspicuously evil. They all do or operate something that's of the flesh on earth. Satan's the one that's just like, yeah, destroy their ass. Destroy the kids. Drink their blood, eat their penile glands, you know. So me and the creator had to talk, keep on talking, and keep making this arrangement. 
until finally, you know, I had left Newport. Uh, I went to Eugene, and I hung out with some friends there that were witches. And, um, you know, nothing was really going on, I guess. I just kind of was trying to figure out, and I was still having my debates. And I went to uh, Georgetown here. This was, you know, right before the portal. It was like April. And the portal was coming up in August. And um, I came out here to see my friend Alicia. And circumstances, which I'm not going to launch into, took her life. She took her life. Um, and it was, it was a hard one because I really liked her. Not like, you know, we had any kind of romantic thing going on. She was a beautiful chick. That wasn't it though. It was just, she was my friend. And, um, I could tell she didn't really have too many friends where she was at because people are generally fucking evil dicks around here way before the virus started. But the virus is taxing their ass now, too. And, you know, karma comes around. You know, Alicia had taken me to the old airport, you know, storage, you know, field, which is like a three-mile stretch of just storage containers and all this other shit out here. <laughs> Over by the Satan Sugar Factory. <laughs> White Satan Sugar Factory. <laughs> and uh, she had a bus. Like a big old school bus, and the bus's name was George. And uh, she had uh, said she was going to take off, and we smoked a joint. I thought everything was pretty normal. I left about two days later and went back to Eugene. And when I got back, I received the first element that I needed to open the portal. And it was given to me by my friend Daff. And Daff, she was like, yo, um, this is a, a leather pouch filled with, the, with graveyard dirt. And it's the oldest graveyard dirt in the, in the country. And she goes, this is the A-bomb. And when you use this, it will cost the enemy, you know, it will cost the enemy. I was like, all right, all right. She's like, so don't use it until you need it. And I was like, it's all going to the same place, man. Every piece I get, whether it's saintly or corrupt or whatever, it's all part of the same package. And she goes, I get that. We walked down the street and I got a phone call and it was this guy. And it was a guy that I'd met through Alicia, and it, me, Alicia, and him had a drink, which I drank Coke, <laughs> and they had beer. <laughs> and uh, we sat there and had the little, you know, moment. And uh, I met him. I thought he was cool. That was it. His name was Dana. This guy's all, this is Dana. I was like, who? And he goes, this, where's George. And I was like, George. And he goes, yeah. And uh, I was like, 
I don't, I think you got the wrong number. And he goes, no, this is Dana. Where is George at? I was like, I think you got the wrong number, buddy. And, uh, right when I said that, she, he goes, Alicia's dead. And I was like, huh? And he goes, yeah, she killed herself. And I was like, what? Who is this? And he goes, it's Dana. And I'm looking for George. I was like, George. He goes, yeah, where is he parked at? And I was like, the school bus? And he goes, yeah. I was like, I don't fucking know. Um, and I was like, this is fucking terrible shit. I got pretty pissed off. And he and I was like, she killed herself, huh? And he goes, well, there was evidence of foul play. Still don't know where she's buried at. Never been to her grave. Never talked to him again. He said some rude shit a few calls later. That was about the end of it. And uh, I thought to myself, damn, this is a fucking A-bomb. After I found out Alicia died, I really wasn't doing too hot already. I had to leave Eugene, and I had had a dream about going to uh, Salt Lake City, but I had it in this fucking nightmare. And when I woke up that next morning, I was rolling around on the floor in uh, Daft's fucking dog's shit, who had shit on the floor. <laughs> it wasn't my best moment, man. I was like, ah! They washed my clothes, you know. <laughs> Her roommates were laughing at me, but she was like, don't worry about it, just follow this out. I know you're on mission now, and I was like, I am. I heard the creator tell me to go to Salt Lake, and I did, and nothing happened, but while I was hanging out with my metalhead friends there, I was confronted by a stalker woman <laughs> who said I had made friends with her on Facebook and... I was like, I think I wrote two lines to you, and I thought it was about some mental illness shit, and that was about it. Uh, and she had been stalking me, and just, like, stalking, stalking me, and knew I was in Salt Lake City, <laughs> stalking me. <laughs> My friends were like, huh? And I was really digging on this one chick, and it kind of blew it, man, because this other girl stalked me. Seems to be my luck, man. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> That didn't happen. So I hitchhiked out of Salt Lake City, told the stalker girl to stay the fuck away from me. It hurt her feelings, and she left. She's like, you're mean. I was like, well, I'm just gonna get that on my epitaph, you know? Have a nice life. <laughs> hitchhiked to Boise, and I bought a bus ticket, but the guy was like, look, man, uh, it's not leaving for another 18 hours and you can't stay here it's like alright that's cool so I went and got in a hostel stayed there came back it was three hours late it left out at midnight instead of nine and then three hours after that ended up in a shithole town where I met a secret friend named Cancer and I'm going to keep her that way. And I still am deeply in love with you, Cancer. And I can't really remember your name or your Native American tribe, but you were smoking meth and you had stitches in your head. 
and I just thought you were the best thing that I ever really knew for the short period of time that I knew you. And you haunt me to this day. Anyway, uh, I should have had her come with me because where I was heading to was Goldendale, Washington, where the creator wanted me to go. I've been having a hard time with my friend for the last couple years. We've been off and on friends. Now we're not friends at all. But at that point, we were still trying. And where she's at in Goldendale, you know, she came and picked me up off the Columbia River. You have to cross a bridge, and there's a fake replica of Stonehenge. And it's laid out just like Stonehenge. And we went there. I thought it was called St. Mary's Garden or something. And I had been tracking Nibiru since 2000, since the beginning of 2016. And I've watched it come really close since 2016. If you, and by the time you do see it, which I'm pretty convinced that we probably will, given the state of the sky, it's going to be still very hard. They have it very densed out with both contrails and chemtrails and a bunch of other shit. A gigantic 300-yard uh, uh, contact lens, military con contracted by Baal Lam to divert the image of these oncoming planets so it just looks like you're looking in space. You can't tell the difference. But when people see these sun dogs, and they're like, oh, it's a sun dog. That's not a sun dog. That's, that, that's part of the uh, lens that's hiding these images of the oncoming planets heading right towards us. And CERN failed, and they know it because these things were too massive even to where they moved the Earth. And by moving the Earth, fractured the timeline. And if you don't think that's confusing enough, now you got a bunch of fucking satanic alpha draconian reptilian motherfuckers that are raping and eating kids. And shooting up their penile glands like Hillary Clinton. It's a fucking liar. And she knows it. Lizard sacrificing kids to Moloch, you know. And the other two and a half million emails talking about raping kids that she didn't bother talking about when you listen to the bumper on the show. Yeah, right. These guys know what's up. That's why I'm on this mission. And I took Heather aside, and we were standing in the middle of the Stonehenge replica, and it was right at 6.30 in the morning... 2016, 2000, or 2017, at that time, the Nibiru was getting closer to the behind the sun. And I pointed it to her, and I said, look, there it is. Watch these three things happen. First, you're going to see the sun. There's the actual sun. Now here comes this fake sun satellite, and it's going to move in front of it, and you see these clouds are being controlled by HARP. And they can control the clouds, y'all, to be focused right over the image. And it's always a shit gray cloud for two years. I don't know if you ever noticed. And then at night, between 4.30 and 6.30, you could see Nibiru pretty clear if you knew how to find it. And if you didn't, well, you didn't. 
I know plenty of people that knew how to track it just like I did. And I showed Heather, and Heather was like, what the fuck am I looking at? There's three things happening in the sky right at once. And I was like, that's exactly right. That's how many things are happening. We stayed at her house, and about a week later, she was like, you want to go to a UFO camp with me? I was like, fuck yeah. She's like, well, we can't stay there or anything, but... If we leave now, we can stay there for a couple hours and maybe see some UFOs and shit. I was like, let's go. So me and her family got in the car. We drove up to Mount Tick Attack, which is Mount Adams. And when we got there, this elder couple was running this resort. And a lot of other elders were there. And you could see that it was like these people that were looking for signs of life or things to come. They're reaching the end of their life here. They don't know what to believe, but... Maybe if they see some aliens and stuff, it could inspire them, you know? <laughs> or change their life, or spiritually, you know? Whatever. So, we get up there, and the guy's like, well, we have a seance before we get started. So, Heather's husband and the son, they decided just to not join, but to stay inside their car. I don't know why they even came. I don't know why she just didn't come with me. I still don't know. Because all they did was sit in the car. <laughs> and me and Heather went inside. And the man and wife, they did the little UFO seance. And they're sitting in wooden chairs. And they're tilted back on the back ends of the chairs. And they're each holding a separate corners of the ends of their table. I'm sitting next to Heather and this other woman. There's a bunch of people in there, a bunch being like 20, sitting in a circle around the man and the woman holding their table, the wooden table. And right before it started, there was a door right behind me and Heather, and you could hear it. And the woman heard it, and she turned around and she said, the hitchhiker. And right then I knew that was me. And so they started doing the seance. And when they did it, <laughs> the, the guy was like, whoa, 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 this is weird. This has never happened before. And I was like, oh, shit. And he goes, the Palladians aren't here. But it's Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene both. And my eyes got big. And I'd always thought these women were dogmatic characters. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> like I was wrong about a lot of shit. And, he, and, uh, and the guy goes, and not only are they here, but they're very upset. And after the thing, he goes, anybody got questions? And I was like, yeah, why are they upset? And he goes, you know, because of what's happening to the children. And right then, I knew Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene had joined me. And now I was with Esmeralda. And I was with Mary Magdalene. And I was with uh, Mother Mary. And there was one more member coming to join the team.
And I didn't know who that was yet. I was about to find out. We drove back and I went back to Eugene after that. And everybody had moved away. And from there, I ended up in Ohio, in Akron, Ohio, a place I hadn't been, where I was born. Northeast Ohio, y'all. Go back and listen. It's a beauty, eh? Had to go back. I needed a soil sample. And that leads us into this little next part here. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't know where I was really going to stay in Ohio, but I didn't really have any connections. My Uncle Jeff, you know, I didn't know where the fuck he was. He's on the road. Always and forever. Northeast Ohio. That's where I'm at. I haven't been here for 33 fucking years, man. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Meeting up with Charles was really awesome, and his boys were great. The one kid's got autism, Down syndrome and autism, and he's a mathematical little genius that knows how to hack into your phone. Saint Michael. And then there was Saint Sam, who was the 13-year-old incredible music directing genius, hibernating in his room on his keyboard. <laughs> One night, you know, I was having a spiritual talk with Charles, and he's like, well, I'm a devout Catholic, you know, it runs in my family, we're Polish. I was like, that's cool. And he goes, look, man, you know, there used to be these Catholic Polish killer gangs around. And I was like, nuh-uh. And he goes, yep. He goes, and I got to give you this, man, I don't know why. And I was like, really? And it was like this, you know, Catholic mafia dagger. <laughs> Fucking nice, man, it was a nice blade. I was like, god damn. And he goes, just use it the right way. And then he gave me an amethyst with a silver capping on it. And he goes, there's something special about the silver, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I need that. And then he gave me the rosary. And I felt Mother Mary put her hand on my shoulder. And he, Charles almost looked up to where she would have been standing or whatever. And was like, huh. And then he gave me the rosary. And I was like, I got to borrow your bike, man. I got to go take a ride through the old neighborhood. And he's like, go ahead, man. So I went ahead and borrowed this bike, took a nostalgic ride through Akron. Place hasn't been developed since 1985. <laughs> when it all shut down after the tire factories shut down, you know. Everybody moved away. Now it's just all whatever, crap housing. Went by my old elementary school, went down to my uh, house two blocks from that, and I didn't have any PTSD, it was alright man. I had a stick of juicy fruit, and I put it in my mouth all Twin Peaks style, Leland Palmer. <laughs> that gum you like's gonna come back in style. <laughs> and I took the wrapper, and I looked at the house where all this horrible, helly shit happened. And I took a thimble full of soil and wrapped it up inside the tin foil. That's all I needed. It's where the crime happened. And it's what I was told to do. So I got the soil and the foil. 
the foil soil, stuck it into a cellophane, tucked it away, took the ride back to Charles's, hung out with his boys for a minute. The day we were leaving, he said, uh, I'll take you to the bus station. And Michael had got a hold of the GPS on the car and he typed it in. And it became like some different destination. And Charles was like, Nah, man, don't you see what this means? I have to fucking go to where this direction is now. And I was like, why? And he goes, because every time Michael does this, it takes me somewhere where I'm supposed to go. And this thing was like 19 miles out, dude, in the middle of nowhere Ohio country. I was like, ah, fuck it, let's go. Took this long-ass ride. And we were in the... uh, in this little empty little lot, you know, wherever the specific GPS had landed. And I looked, uh, <laughs> I looked in front of me and the, the door said 420. And I was like, huh, that's funny, huh? And then Michael was like, huh, huh, huh. And, and pulling at my shirt and Charles is like, hey, take it easy, little buddy. And he goes, no, 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 no. And I looked behind me at the door behind me on this other abandoned and it was a doctor office and it said 821 shit you not and St. Michael was like and Sam's like he does stuff like that I thought it was so beautiful I said goodbye to his beautiful family say goodbye to my old friend Charles and I took off but I had the items that I needed there and right at when I left it was a month out from where I was going there's a lot of shit that happens on this trip you know um it's not the easiest thing to explain but it had come to uh pass that while I was uh in Ohio I went to go see my mom in New Orleans and I told her what I was doing. And she said, well, be careful, boy. You know. <laughs> and you know, she's a trip, man. She's a trip. You know that. You know. I told her what I was doing. She told me to be careful. I said, well, going through Atlanta up to Springfield. Going to go see my friend Violet. I'm going to stay with her for a minute. And then I'm heading to the devil's backbone, Mom. She did a little thing and she said, The Baron's going to come join you. And I was like, The Baron? She goes, Yeah, Baron Somdi. You know? She, she told me that on the Algiers side there was a secret entrance into Gaty. You don't just have to go through the secret you know, tourist trap fucking cemeteries to get into Gaty, the underworld of the dead, where one Baron Somdi is death, and even Satan will have to answer to death in the end. And the only one death will answer to 
is the creator directly. And I knew that he became the fourth member of this group. And she goes, now remember, he likes a lot of things, but he really likes churches, graveyards, children, old people, coffee, porn, chili peppers, a shank of pork, a snort of rum, <laughs> on and on, a fine cigar. I was like, how much shit does this guy need? But you know, I gave him everything he wanted. Later. But for now, we had a job to do. And we were on it, man. When I left Springfield, it was... Right at, like, a week before, but right at the beginning of the month, God thought it would be funny <laughs> to go ahead and start Twin Peaks Season 3. And if you know anything about Twin Peaks, guys, you know it's about time travel, specifically that third season, where the evil Dale Cooper, spoiler alert, is looking to... Uh, for a portal. And it had everything to do with portals. And going into other dimensions. And I was dealing with this in real life. And the creator kind of thought it was cute. <clears throat> I was like, nice timing. <clears throat> and if you go back and listen to Twin Peaks the fuck out, you'll hear me and my friend Andy. And Andy says it on there. He's like, I remember you saying that David Lynch was going to go ahead and do season three at one point. <laughs> 20 years ago. And I was like, yep, and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Pretty cool. I thought it was very interesting. I was scared to death. The time was coming up, man. I told Violet I had to go. And I told her what I was doing, and she was like, just be careful, man. So I got out there. Carbondale. Hitched a ride into all the way from Carbondale to about 25 miles southwest to the Devil's Backbone. Pretty much got a hot shot down there. I kind of love that whole area, man. It was good. Right on the Mississippi River, man. Reserved my spot throughout the eclipse. And I remember everybody was like, I doubt you'll find a, a place to even camp there. And when I got there, no one was really there, dude. I wonder why. Hmm. I ended up camping out. And uh, this guy was from Chicago. He was a Chicano from Chicago. His name was Mike. He was a cool motherfucker. And he had these half joints. And he'd smoke a half joint with me. And then buy me uh, food and shit. And he was almost sent to take care of me. About three days in, NASA showed up. Yes, the NASA. Three engineers. The one guy had his wife uh, and she was Blackfoot. And then they had a, an adopted uh, African child from Uganda. He was 17, but his parents were 
Ugandan rebel scum that beat in their kid's head with the back end of a rifle when he was three years old. So you could see the clear, evident dent in his head. It was sad. And all he did was talk about Halloween. Which kind of fits into timing right now, since we're three days out. All he did was talk about Halloween. The one engineer guy goes, How'd you figure it out? How'd you know? And I was like, because uh, I had a friend tell me. That's what happened. I had a friend tell me. And he goes, well, it's amazing, because this is the exact point of darkness. I was like, I know. A couple days went by. Me and Mike took a walk up to the foundry this abandoned place where the ghost of Esmeralda has been seen and spotted. We took a walk and went on the uh, other side of this wall. I'm a very explorative dude. I've always wanted to get an adventure and do the things that you're really not supposed to do. Like breaking and entering. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Anyway, um, jump this wall and, uh, Lo and behold, it was a private beach. You can't see it from the other side of this cliff that the house actually sits on. And right down the stream is uh, the chemical plant. You can only see this little beach from the water. You'd have to be sailing on the water. And Mike was like, holy shit, this is awesome, dude. And I was like, yeah. And I found a piece of wood and I knew it was from the house. And if you remember what I just said, her ghost went into the wood of the house, was the legend, Esmeralda's ghost, and haunted her dad to death. When they found his ass, he was petrified. And uh, I took the wood. I had two ballpoint pens. I had two days before the eclipse. And uh, I sat there and drew this thing out. Epic uh, picture with two ballpoint pens on a four and a half piece of wood from 250 years ago. And uh, I needed to finish it, you know? And it was two hours, it was like an hour even. And the woman was like, the NASA w uh, woman, she said, no, you have to finish it. You have to finish it. You have to finish it now. And I said, I don't have anything to finish it with. So she gave me a bunch of these colors, colored pencils, and I heard the creator go, give them to Derek. And I did. And he handed them back to me, one by one, in his favorite order. And I made a rainbow, and that's how I ended this picture on this wood. And the picture is about all the children on earth being saved and protected finally that's what it's that's what this storyline is telling nasa loved it i gave it to her and i said you will give this back to me in seven years when i see you again and she said yes i will mike came over and he goes i saw the spot that you're heading up to during the eclipse and i saw a woman in a red dress dude we're in a trailer park full of fucking rednecks that are eating baked beans, drinking beer, and cut off Daisy Dukes, 
No one's wearing this red dress around here. I knew it was Esmeralda. But the Baron hadn't shown up, and I was like, where's the Baron? But then, I went out on the path to go claim my spot. I had everything I needed, and right in front of me was a green chili pepper. A green chili pepper in the middle of <laughs> Southwest Illinois. Yeah, right. I knew he was here. Sweet. Well, it was portal time. I took my place up on the cliff at the foundry. I lit my candle, <laughs> which I already fucked up and had in the wrong direction. I chose not to use the dagger and to bury it because I could tell that it was more powerful in the ground and the blade was a metaphor. So I took out a utility knife and decided to make the cut with that. I was already forbade to look at the eclipse. And you know, in Native American you know, folklore and uh, customs, traditionally, they do not observe the fucking eclipse because they're fucking. It's a mating ritual. It's disrespectful to look. So of course every honky on earth is going to be fucking like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, everybody was counting down. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And the Mississippi turned dark purple. Man, it was a fucking trip. I ain't never seen nothing like it. And while everybody was looking northeast, I was looking southwest at my candle. <laughs> that was in the wrong direction. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw it. I fucking saw Nibiru. It was as clear as fucking day, man. Glowing like a gigantic fucking red gumball. Leaving a reflection in the corner of the fucking top of the trees on the Missouri side. And I looked at this motherfucker for 11 seconds thinking about how everybody has told me how crazy I was searching for this thing. <laughs> 11 seconds went by and I was like, I only got 2 minutes and 28 seconds left. So I uh, <laughs> went ahead and made the cut. I started bleeding. Now all I need is a little bit on this pouch. And I held my hand over it and all of a sudden... The Eclipse was sucking the fucking blood back in, man, like it was fucking Hellraiser. I couldn't believe it, dude. I was like, what? I got really scared. So I made another cut, started bleeding again, sucked the blood back in, made another cut, started bleeding, sucked the blood back in. Motherfucker, I had to make like seven or eight cuts. And, uh, finally, got four out of there, man, and smeared that motherfucker on there. And I had 13 seconds left. Threw it in the hole, fucking... I had enough on there to do it. You could feel the demons were pissed. I fucking started uh, burying that thing and you could hear everybody. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
and I had feverishly buried it, and I had done it on time, and the sun came out, and you could totally tell it was angry, and he was all, what the hell, what happened, you know, what the hell happened, <laughs> that's what I felt the sun say, and the creator was like, alright man, and right when he said that, he goes, put your gloves back on, I was like, alright. And I uh, heard him say, when you get down to the hill, you're going to know where to go next, and your ride will be waiting for you. I was like, all right. This was intense, y'all. <laughs> I looked back at where I'd buried that thing, and eight blades of grass had grown out of that. I knew the portal was open, man. I walked down the hill. And there was Derek and the Blackfoot woman. And she goes, let me see your hand. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, I know what you did. And I was like, how do you know that? She goes, because you got Blackfoot in you. And now you have to go to Montana. And then you have to go to the Blackfoot tribe. You know, the reservation. And I didn't realize she was telling me in a way that was quantumly displaced. And then she said, and you have to get your name. My name. All right. Hmm. I knew that everything was going to be incredibly hard after this. You know, she put this fucking back teen on my hand. And, uh... I gave her a hug, and the guys at NASA a hug, and I gave Derek a big old hug, and I said, Hang in there, Derek. Halloween's just right around the corner. And he kind of smiled and was all, Halloween. <laughs> I packed up my tent, got my fucking bag, went around the corner out of the fucking... I was like, how the hell am I getting out of here? And I kid you not, man. Shit you not. I'm going to start making t-shirts that say... I shit you not, listen to M-D-G-E-D. <laughs> I shit you not, man, two Hasidic Jew, Jewish men were standing there, and they were waiting for me, and then one guy goes, you're Adam. And I was like, yeah, and he goes, come on, I'm your ride. And he was with his son. These guys were decked out like they were straight from Hasidic Williamsburg, man. No shit. Right out of Vice Magazine or some shit. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, got in the car and they gave me a ride almost 200 miles back to Violet's house. It was pretty amazing, dude. I couldn't fucking believe it. I couldn't fucking believe it. You know, I watched an episode of Twin Peaks I'd missed since I'd been gone. Which was, uh... Right near the end, I thought it was episode 16 when Audrey's dance or whatever and she ends up in the loony bin. <laughs> and all I could do was have a dream about this. I saw every child on Earth before I opened the portal. And if you want to know how fucking crazy that is, you can't even imagine seeing two and a half billion kids. Knowing 800,000 a year are missing out of this fucking country. And the creator assured me, he's like, it's a global child protection seal, man, you know? 
That's what it is. And I was like, a GCPS. And he goes, that's it. And that's what I called it. And according to what I just did, in three and a half years from the moment that I had recorded this fucking podcast, I'm going to go close that motherfucker. I ain't telling you where it is either. You know. You already got the idea. You want to show up and have some popcorn? Feel free. Your energy better be pure. And you have any intent on hurting kids, I'm going to fucking know it. And you're not going to like that. About a week later, after being passed out from putting all myself into this fucking thing, I got a call from an old friend, Spirit. She used to fucking hustle A with me back in uh, Boulder. And she's a witch. And she goes, I know what you did. And I was like, you do? Like, yeah. And it worked. But you fucked up. You put the candle in the wrong direction. And I was like, that's how I found out, y'all. I was like, oh, okay. And then she said, not only that, you gave it to your buddy before he went back to Chicago, huh? <laughs> that's how clear she could see it. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, you can't give the candle away, dummy. She's like, I put a bubble wrap spell around it. You know? And you're protected. So I had gone out to call, you know, I, I'd gone out to Colorado and I was heading to Montana, but I was having a hard time understanding where to go, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, I knew I needed to go to Montana, but there was a whiteout. And there was an 18-hour layover at the Denver International Airport. I wasn't about to stay in that Alpha Draco hole. So I uh, gave a call to some friends. <laughs> and they let me, like, nanny for them, you know? And I stayed with them for about a week. And my friend was like, look, man, my kids are going to end up falling in love with you, man. So don't fucking tease them. Just stay a week. You're too likable. And you're going to have to get the hell out of here. And I was like, that's cool, man. And that's what I did. Which leads us into... The next part of the story. I was on a journey now, dude. I was nannying the kids, and I knew I had to go to Montana. Had a lot on my mind, obviously. <laughs> I told my friends what I had done. My one friend was like, hmm. And his wife was like, it's very poetic, Adam, but, you know, you're not well, and I think you just brought forward some poetic shit out of you, and you went through with that, you know? But there's no portal. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, the demons were gonna come at me however they could, man. You know. As quickly as you can, snatch the pebble from my hand. Hmm. When you can take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. <laughs> well, the little kid had uh, come up to me, the little boy, he's five years old, and the girl was three years old, and he had one of these little stones that you put around your pond, you know, the little glass pond thing, generic little stone, and he goes, this is the Ichi Chichi. It's the most powerful stone 
in the whole world. And it can do anything in the entire universe. And then he handed it to me and he ran off laughing. And his little sister is three years old. She says, <laughs> Yeah, it's the most powerful stone in the whole galaxy. <laughs> and ran off. And uh, I was taking shit pretty serious, man. So I kept the Ichi Chichi. I put it in my wallet. A few days later, time for you to leave. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went ahead and went to Montana. And I was looking at myself and thinking about my friend saying that it was very poetic, but you know, it's not real, dude. It's in your head. So I had to call my lifeline Haitian shaman. And she told me, she said, well, you did open the portal, in fact. And it's not activated yet, but it's about to be if you do it. And you gotta remember, half the state was on fire at that time. All these fires were happening and half the state of Montana was on fire. She said, well, if you go now, You'll get a, you'll activate it. It's where two creeks meet in uh, Lolo Reservation. You're 52 and a half miles away. Here's where they're at. Go do it. And she said, you have the Ichi Chichi? And I was like, I do. <laughs> She's like, that's how you're going to do it, buddy. Otherwise, it's going to activate on its own anyway. And I got the hell out of there. Yeah. Just like that. I had been questioning my sanity, it's true. This was an insane-ass fucking thing. And if you could hear this episode, you know, in which you probably are listening, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, man, don't think I wasn't either, man. This shit was over my head. This is a Nez Pierce peyote song. And I was heading up to Nez Pierce land, to the Lolo Reservation. Like I said, half the state was on fire, man. And uh, there was nothing but smoldering pine smoke and shit. I fucking hitchhiked up about 10 miles to the intersection that's heading towards there. Nice lady, dropped me off. About 10 minutes later, a couple cigarettes later, you know, Gary pulled over and was like, this elder, and he lived in a trailer that only had three sides, and there was no back to his house, and he lived with a 600-pound pig that he kept as a pet, and he just slept under a bunch of blankets with no wall to his back of his house. Kind of weird. But, uh, you know, that's how he lived. He's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going up to the Lolo Reservation. State Park or whatever. He's like, there's nothing up there. Why are you going up there? And I was like, I'm looking for a rock, man. And he goes, oh, okay. I guess you'll tell me if you want to at some point. Carrie was pretty funny, man. I looked in his back seat, dude, and there was a thousand pistachio shells. <laughs> and half of them were shelled, and the other half weren't. 
it was so fucking David Lynch like the rest of this shit, man. I couldn't believe it, dude. But, uh, I definitely was in the middle of, like, the dream vortex again. And I was heading up to Lolo Creek and Left Hand Creek where they meet and dead end into each other. It's where the two creeks meet. So, uh, about 50 miles later, we pulled into the state park or whatever, and he pulled over and he's like, you know what, dude, go ahead and take your time. I'm going to be cleaning out my back seat with all these pistachio shells. I got plenty of time. <laughs> I was like, all right, Gary. So I walked up to the, uh, I had my phone, I was using the GPS, and I walked up a little bit, and two deer jumped right in front of me, like young, young doe deer, you know, and they looked angry, and I was like, you're not, you guys aren't scared of me? And like, and the one was all like breathing all hard so I could feel its breath on my face even. No shit. And I was like, I'm going the wrong way, ain't I? And I could feel the psychic uh, telepathy from both of them go, what the fuck do you think, idiot? <laughs> I looked at my fucking phone and uh, it was upside down. There you go. I was like, fuck, man. So I fucking, uh, <laughs> went back and I went past Gary and I said, look, man, sorry, I went the wrong way. He's like, ah, take your time. I crossed the road and I got to this high grass and it was this high grass and there was nothing but tarantulas and snakes and shit like that. I was like, I had to say a prayer to cut through their territory. I was like, all right, guys, don't attack me. <laughs> I have to walk through your your homes, and I'll be very careful. I pulled the Ichi Chichi out of my uh, wallet, and I had it in my hand. And I, there was holes everywhere, man. Holes in trees, holes in stumps, holes in fucking caves. I saw caves everywhere. There was holes in the mountains. Like, where am I putting this rock, dude? And I decided to put the GPS away. Because I was really dependent on it. And I needed to cut that fucking AI out of there. As Reverend Stephen Leva would say... In a bucking some change with Reverend Stephen Leva. Go back and listen to that episode. That's pretty great. Phenomenal. And guys like Stephen were with me at this moment in spirit, you know? And I could feel all the spirits everywhere, man. I could feel them everywhere, man. And I looked, and I put the Ichi Chichi in my hand with the, you know still at that time was healing pretty fast too man the cut in my uh, hand and I had the rock in my hand 
pebble, the fake pebble, <laughs> which wasn't fake at all, no. And all the smoke from the fire, the Lolo Pass was on fire. Nothing but smolder. And I saw a beaver dam at the end of this, where the two creeks met. And inside that was a smaller beaver dam. And I held my hand up to the sky. And I felt that it, you know, I put it over to one side and it was cold. And I put it to the other side and it was cold and I centered it on the dam and my hand started like almost burning up, dude. The rock was just on fire. I made my last prayer to Jesus Christ directly. And I said, if we're going to stop all these bad guys together, then let's do it together and let's get this fucking shit fucking over with. I think I said it just like that. Let's go fucking smash these motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, good old Adam Erlingo. The prayer went through and I got my MBA scholarship because motherfucker, I tossed that thing a hundred feet. And it went, and like I said, it was a beaver dam with a smaller beaver dam, and in the middle of that, there was a black hole going into the water, into nothing. And I knew that was the right one. And it, that, that rock just went, and when it went through the portal, which it was, it was like this pink and blue film, and it was like this soap bubble, like the way that soap film looks in a bubble wand, you know, when you're doing blowing bubbles, and uh, it went whoop, right through the bubble, and I threw my arms up, and as soon as I did, man, the fucking sky turned black, and it started fucking pouring rain. And there was no sign of rain for like three months up there with that fire. Firemen were desperate, dude. It was like some serious shit. 2017. And I had officially activated the portal. And I got my special bonus that the shaman had told me. And it's put the fire out, dude. And it just kept on raining, motherfucker. And it rained until the shit was out. It rained so heavy it put the motherfucker out. I could feel the spirit of 800 Nez Pierce just like, we haven't seen this kind of action in hundreds of years, man. Thank you. And they were like dancing with me and I was dancing with them. 800. Very specific. 800. And they loved it, man. They fucking loved it. That it I nailed it, man. <laughs> I nailed it. I went up the hill, went over to the parking lot across the street, and Gary had this shocked-ass motherfucking look on his face, and he goes, What did you just do? You did this! You did that! What did you do? And he knew, as an elder, because it was partially for him. And I said, you want to go to KFC, Gary? You like chicken? And he goes, I love chicken. I was like, let's go to KFC and get some chicken, man. I didn't tell him what I never, I never told him what I did, but he gave me a wooden pipe. He said, I used to smoke this back in the 60s. 
I was pretty honored, man, and I knew it was like very symbolic. We smoked a couple bowls of some shit Montana weed. And uh, I knew I had done my job. There really wasn't anything else to it, dude. There really wasn't anything else to it. Now I knew I just had to bite the bullet for the next seven years and take any and all wrath that the demons have laid on me. I almost took my life a couple times, believe it. It's very powerful shit, man. Magic? I've had people denouncing me all over the place. But there's a few that will know if you did it right. And they'll stay with you, man. They'll stay with you, dude. And if they just want something out of you, it's either energy or material or both, they won't be around. Because they didn't really care to begin with. But the ones that know the mission... So I went back to L.A., man. I ended up back in L.A. for a minute. And uh, I saw the results of the portal. And you've been seeing the results of the portal. And you got to remember, before August 2017, Pizzagate and all that shit was a conspiracy and shit. Now, it's real. I go and close this motherfucker on April 8th, 2024. I got four minutes and nine seconds to do it. You want to show up fucking, like I said, and have some popcorn? You know, that's fine, whatever. You know, if Nibiru comes through, the Mississippi may widen. I might have to fucking scuba dive to close this thing, too. So who knows? But that's three and a half years from now. We don't know what's really going to happen. We don't even know we're going to make it. If I'm not supposed to close it, you damn right. The port will be closed because... The creator will find someone to do it. That's just how it is. It may not be me. I don't know. I don't know how it's working, man. You know, I wanted to be a part of this team, too, and I've been kind of jealous that I haven't been able to do it. Anyway, this is the end of the episode, guys. There will be a fucking seal. There will be the seven seals made. And uh, that's what it says. That's what the fuck it means. Anyway, this is what the shit used to sound like before the portal was open. Check it out. Come on, you fucking dick. Hurry the fuck up. Ugh. This is Elijah Wood on entertainment tonight, by the way. Um, coming forward. Elijah Wood's shocking allegations against the entertainment industry. In a new interview with the Sunday Times, the former child star alleges that pedophilia has been a real issue in Hollywood. He tells the publication, quote, There are a lot of vipers in this industry, people who only have their own interests in mind. What bums me about these situations is that the victims can't speak as loudly as the people in power. That's the tragedy of attempting to reveal what is happening to innocent people. They can be squashed, but their lives have been irreparably damaged. The 35-year-old adds, If you're innocent, you have very little knowledge of the world and you want to succeed. People with parasitic interests will see you as their prey. I can get a good career doing this. You know, it's going to be good. Wood says he was not a victim of abuse because his mother, Deborah, protected him and he avoided those kinds of situations. He goes on to allege that even as an adult in the industry, he has been, quote, led down dark paths to realize that these things probably are still happening. Hmm. Well, got that part right. You know, but then when you go back and you listen to stuff after that, because that was about 
right before the portal. You could totally tell. Now that the portal's open, motherfuckers getting popped where nobody was getting popped. This morning, more Hollywood heavyweights are being accused of sexual harassment. There are new developments in the scandal involving movie. This is two years ago. New allegations inside the time of the portal, man. Louis C.K., James Toback, Jeffrey Tambor, director Brett Ratner, actor James Franco, actor Dustin Hoffman. This is also the story of an open secret. Open secret. This is from the Washington Post, and you can go watch it. It's called Hollywood's Greatest Betrayal, How Sexual Predators Operate in Plain Sight, which is exactly why the fuck I left if you heard the beginning of this show. Everyone knows it, but we don't talk about it like an excuse, like what happened with Harvey Weinstein. That's why I had to open the motherfucker, okay? Anyway, you can go back and watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm going to end on this note. This was the closing bumper. It is a very serious issue. The virus isn't the real pandemic. It's the people violating these seven things. And if you don't think fucking with children ain't fucking with the creator, it don't matter what you fucking believe. That motherfucker is pissed. And I work for him directly, man. You want to violate? This has to come to an end. And if I'm right, and I am, there's going to be a global child protection seal over this plant in the next three and a half years. This is the end of episode 71, guys. Next episode is a shocker, and I changed it. And I don't want to tell you, but it doesn't have Mike Diane on it. There's no Steve Leva on it. And it's probably one of the hardest episodes I've ever had to fucking do. I'm not going to tell you shit about it. I'm going to tell you this, that I love you. There's real love in it. And to all the coven, so mote it be. Until next time, gang. Keep your blinders unblinded. (laughs) And keep your ear to the ground and your eye out. And watch the fuck out. I got to go get some purification on, so I'm out. I'll talk to you all down the road. Peace, motherfucker, to all. You've been listening to Adamair, MD, GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy.